contract negotiations team. And I, I mean, I, every one of our administrators, I have looked in the eye and spoken to, um, except for our late, our newest board member on multiple occasions, uh, or almost all of them. And I don't, you know, I know that each one of them has a tremendous amount of responsibility here and a tremendous amount of information to weigh th- uh, to wade through. And, uh, you know, there's, there's the pressure from all of the constituency, um, and from the extremely varying, uh, uh, perspectives on all of this and, they have to do what's right. And what's right here is not super clear because none of these, none of these tiers really offer an easy answer, you know? just around the corner, and COVID-19 has left a lot of uncertainty in its wake, and this uncertainty applies to school reopenings. What does the first day look like? What does the rest of the year look like? Is it safe? This week, we get into this and more with our friend Will Thompson. Will is an educator, a member of the Lewiston Education Association, community member, and parent. Join us as we discuss what the academic year holds for Lewiston students and to hear Will's perspective. Today, our guest is Will Thompson. You will recognize him from our episode about his event called The Swap. And he is here today to discuss uh, re-entry into the school district uh, with uh, the different COVID parameters. Welcome to the show, Will. Hey, thanks for having me back. A little uh, different circumstances this time. (laughs) Right. Yeah, you know what's crazy is I think we did your interview for The Swap like a week or so maybe it wasn't it's been a while but I th- it feels like it was only a week before you decided to cancel it uh yes that's correct uh i was there i think that all the school shutdowns and everything happened like within seven or eight days of my appearance and then i think it was maybe another week or so after that that governor Inslee issued all the stuff for washington and the parameters uh, made it so that it would not be possible to have the swap. So, yeah, pretty crazy. And now we're here so many months later. <laughs> so many months. <laughs> hey, yeah, all the schools shut down. They've been shut down. We've had summer. Right. People are starting to head back to work, uh, getting prepped. I know, you know, my wife's getting prepped for the year. I think uh wasn't registration. Um, registration's, I think, happening and... Yep, started today and goes through Thursday hmm. of this week. Well, we're here today to talk about COVID, I think, and, and school. And you said uh, earlier, I don't know if you said it right here in the beginning again, but you're not only an educator, but you're a parent and you know a citizen of the community. And so your input on this is going to be really important. Yeah, so my I, I will 
certainly be speaking only for myself. And if I'm, if I speak for a larger group, I'll try to make sure that I say that. And so what I mean by that is I am a teacher in Lewiston. I teach at Jennifer middle school. It is now Jennifer middle school, no longer, no longer junior high. JMS. Yeah. JMS buddy. (laughs) Go Burroughs. Um, one of the two junior highs in Lewiston or middle school. Sorry. Still getting used to it. Oh yeah. Me too. Um, and, uh, this will be my ninth year teaching. Uh, I am a member of the Lewiston Education Association, which is a member, which is a division of the Idaho Education Association, uh, which is, for lack of a better term, the local chapter of the teachers union here in town. And I am also a parent. I have a daughter who will be starting uh, at Webster this year. And, um, and then the other side of my perspective too, is my wife is also a teacher. She teaches elementary school in Clarkston. So those are, those are the, the angles at which I am approaching, uh, our discussion. Perfect. Um, so we understand there was recently a meeting held to kind of go over some of these parameters. I think that was, what was that yesterday, Brian? Yeah, last night. Last night. Mm-hmm. Um, could you just give us the the long and skinny of what, what was in that uh, meeting and, and what parents can expect and what teachers are uh, being told to expect at this juncture? Yeah, so um, I, I, I'll back up a little ways before I end up talking about the last night's meeting in particular. Um, so the Idaho State Board of Education uh, gosh, probably close to a month ago now, approximately. And if, if I get any dates or facts wrong, I apologize. I'm, I did not really, I haven't sat down to research some of the nitty gritty of this. I'm just going to kind of be talking in generalities. So if I get something wrong, I, I apologize. No worries. Uh, and, and I'm very open to being corrected. That's totally fine. Um, but about a month ago, maybe it was a little longer, um, the Idaho state board of education and, uh, governor Brad Little, had a task force that put together some reopening guidelines. So the main difference here, the difference between Idaho and Washington is that Washington put together their school opening guidelines for the fall at the state level, and they are mandated so that every district has to follow the same plan. Um, Idaho created guidelines, meaning that if a district didn't want to use the framework that the state provided, then they didn't have to, um, or they could take it and make changes, which is largely what Lewiston has done. Um, and the idea behind that was to, um, to promote as much local control as possible, which is something that is very, gets talked about a lot in Idaho and, and can be very, um, important, just like any state. I mean, Idaho being such a small state, you know, we have some very, very small school districts that, you know, uh, a full shutdown this fall with one or two cases of COVID might not make sense for them. Mm -hmm. Um, So the idea behind that was to give districts uh, and the school, mainly the school boards and the administration to look at the local situation and tailor it to what is needed. So that's that is the overarching, uh, that, that's the state framework there. Our district got that. The school board got together with the administration. Um, they did a little bit of focus groups. They had, I believe, and, and this was told to me, I was not part of these meetings, but I believe that they met with um, three parents from each school, 
uh, the administrators and I think three teachers from each building. If I get that wrong, I apologize, but I think we're in the ballpark um, just to get feedback. Um, and once they had done that, they looked at the needs of our district and they created the fall 2020 opening plan that you can view on the Lewiston schools website. Um, do you want me to pause for a second? I feel like I've been going for a really long time. No, already. no, you're good. This yeah. is all good information. There's, okay. you know what? It just there, there is a ton of information. Um, the school website it is fairly useful in in kind of figuring out how they're coming up with what level they're going to be opening in. Um, but there are so many details. I bet it yeah. just kind of drags everything. Well, and I'm sure that you've been talking about this at nauseum from many different angles like you said you're a stakeholder in this in so many different ways and i'm sure that everybody in your little circles is asking you all these questions and i'm sure you talk about it a lot so hopefully this provides us a chance for you to uh be able to just kind of word vomit and get everything out there uh <laughs> that you want to talk about <laughs> yeah I, I i'm trying and I, I i'm worried i'm gonna bore folks with no, with no, all the nitty-gritty but um, the, when we, when we get to the meeting, you'll, you, it should make sense. Uh, hopefully, you know, I, I just, I, I feel context is I, I have a communications degree and, and an English minor. And if I've learned anything, it's that context is key. And right. so I, I really want to make sure that people understand kind of the broader picture of why things are looking the way they are in Lewiston right now. And, uh, where things may or may not go. So sure. that's, yeah, if, if I have bored you, anyone, I apologize. No, well, you know, uh, that key but... <laughs> bit that came out of, like, the difference between Washington actually mandating it for the entire state, which is vastly different, and then Idaho just kind of, like you said, having the guidelines and leaving it up to the counties to work with their health officials and come up with some sort of localized strategy. That, to me, seems... It, well, it's tough. It's it's their pros and cons. Obviously, it seems like mm -hmm. the better route to go, mm -hmm. unless it's, I mean, not obviously. I don't know. What do you think about the two <laughs> different systems? Which one, which one would you prefer? Oh man, um, I'm really glad that you asked me such an easy question. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm completely being sarcastic. Okay, good. Um, I'm like, oh man, I thought that was a good yeah, one. Yeah, no, no, that's, well, I mean, that's, I, I mean, I think the underlying thing to that question is how politically charged it is, right? Um, yeah, unfortunately. I, it's, 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 it's really flipping a coin. Um, I, I gotta be honest, I see benefits of both sides. Um, I, to be perfectly candid, I am really concerned at the lack of, um, uh, the lack of gravity given to health data and what, how we do understand the virus in Idaho. And I'm just going to, and I mean that like from a broad sense, um, certainly within the Lewiston community, um, regardless of, of the decision for city council to mandate or not mandate masks, there's so many people in Lewiston not wearing masks. Mm -hmm. And I know I've automatically probably shut off 50% of people who are just going to label me one way or another, but Democrat. Um, I hope you'll still listen. I, I'm not, tr I'm not <laughs> That's trying how to they're gonna label you. Yeah. I'm, I'm not <laughs> trying to, 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 to shut anyone off. And I'm more than happy that, you know, if, if someone wanted to talk to me about why they don't like masks, I mean, I'm more than happy to talk about it. And I, I have a friend, um, who I talked to 
And he goes, you know, I really don't think the government should mandate them, but I think people should wear them. And I mean, I'm not going to say one way or the other necessarily, I, but I really like a lot of that sentiment because I think, if anything, the whole COVID crisis has shown us how important it is to consider the needs of other people above ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not trying to say this to make myself sound like some sort of like wonderfully righteous and morally great person because I'm not. I just, I look at this and I think, well, if I can wear a mask and if I can, uh, if I cough and let's say I'm asymptomatic and I am in the grocery store and whatever I've just coughed makes it into somebody's face um, or, or doesn't, I'm sorry, if, if my wearing a mask keeps that from getting in someone's face and then potentially getting sick, personally, I find that to be really, really important. Um, I, am not, I, I don't think it's, I, I don't see how it's, a. you know, I don't feel like it's, and at that point, if it's my choice, it's not taking away freedom. Right. Right. Um, which, which I don't think it is. I think it's about our, our duty to one another. I mean, regardless of how you vote or what you think about any number of issues, we're all still breathing the same air in, and I don't mean that figuratively, like we actually are. And, and the virus doesn't discriminate. Mm -hmm. Um, this was actually part of my, I didn't mean to do this. This is part of my public comment uh, at the meeting the other night, like the virus doesn't, doesn't go, wow, you know, uh, that person really, uh, I see who that person voted for that person. I'm going to leave them alone. (laughs) You know what I mean? Well, the like, whole mask everyone, thing is almost yeah. something we should adopt after, I, if there is a post-COVID, whatever that looks like. It's it's if it's something you should adopt, like if you have a cold, but you still need to go to the store. I mean, I, it seems like you were saying, if you can keep other people from getting sick just by a little piece of fabric around your face, geez, well, And I mean, not only that, but doesn't it beat the hell out of sitting at home and not doing anything at all i mean if you can mitigate absolutely your chances of getting sick or getting someone else sick or their family why why not do it and uh and and make it so that you can still continue to do some of the things that you that you want to do um it's just a small ask i think you know and it's it is it is really bizarre that it has become a political stance one way or another uh, well, I just kind of like looking at it like Pascal's wager, right? Like, you might as well believe in God because if there is a God, then you could go to heaven. But if there isn't, then you didn't waste your time right. on anything. Sort of. But you just—it's like Pascal's waiver yeah. wager. You know? <laughs> How long have you been yeah, sitting no, on that I, joke? About five minutes. Okay. I, had, I, had, I, had, I, I don't was, believe you. Know, <laughs> It was worth it. It's why you asked me that question. No, <laughs> Drew, I completely agree. I, you know, I was having a discussion about masks with a friend, which actually it was great. We were on, on either sides of this and uh, it was still very friendly, which I appreciated. Like I, I love the exchange of ideas and I am more than happy to sit down and, and discuss things with people. Um, but uh, he, he was, he was like, don't live in fear, man. Don't live in fear. Don't wear a mask. And I was like, don't live in fear. Dude, I went to Goodwill today. I went to the movies twice in the last week. If I want to go to the grocery store, I do. And I like I, I am doing things as normally as I can while still avoiding, uh, to the best of my ability, uh, getting contracting the virus and or spreading it if I'm asymptomatic. Sure. I, I just I, I feel I'm being appropriately cautious, you know, right. uh, in in this manner so 
Yeah. Um, and I, I, I want to make a distinction too. I'm t- right now, as far as us talking about masks, I'm talking about me and myself. I'm not necessarily talking about what I think the school district should do and things like that. So just in case anybody wants to call up the school board yeah. and be like, <laughs> we did kind I don't of want veer my... off topic a little bit. No, that that's totally okay. You know, just in case somebody wants to be like, Oh, I don't want my kid in that mat, that guy who likes masks class, um, to, <laughs> well, to, to any potentially concerned parents, I, I'm not going to bring it up right. <laughs> with your, with your student. And actually I, so I teach media literacy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a class. I, this will be the third year I've taught it in, in my state stance on that is um i'm i the first i tell the students on the first day i said so this class is is we're going to talk about information and how we make sure that the information we get is as true as possible and i said i know i say i know that there are a lot of really really hot button topics that we all have opinions on uh or maybe we don't and that's fine too i said but my job is not to tell you what to think my job is to teach you how to think about those things and I mean, obviously, my opinion comes up sometimes, but I really try to be as careful as I can because it's really important to me that my students think for themselves or at least are able to start practicing it. Right. Like I'm teaching middle school students and, you know, I, I really feel like it's critical that we be able to look at information because so many of our discussions at this point seem to devolve into just sort of like prepackaged bullet points, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, this issue's come up, you know, here's the list of either names I can call you or quick things I can say to dismiss you. Like, I don't feel we're actually discussing the merits of why people think something or looking at the evidence that back them up. It just, yeah. it, it's way too easy to, just, and that, and frankly, that's dangerous. Like, that is how poor decisions get made b- without looking at, the evidence, you know, I know a lot has been made of like the whole seatbelt thing back in the sixties and people felt similarly to seatbelts in the sixties as they do now. And, and I mean, I know tons of people who don't like seatbelts. Well, you I can't mean, I, live in fear of going through your windshield. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and are they fun? N- not really. I mean, but, and, and are there situations that seatbelts actually end up being, maybe potentially lethal. Yeah, those, those do exist. But, you know, at that point we're talking about averages, you're much more likely to be thrown from your vehicle than you are constricted. Right. At least, at least in how I understand the data. Like I said, I, I'm not an expert on the topic, but you I could feel convince like that's me. kind of, yeah. <laughs> so at any rate school anyway, sorry. No, to it's all right. Pe- to the five people who don't hate me and are still <laughs> listening. No, I'm kidding. Well, you know, um, and I think you, you brought up a lot of good points. One being, it, it, it's cool and should be practiced more that people that are super adamantly opposed politically should be able to discuss things uh, openly more and more all the time. We've strayed so far from that. And, you know, the more and more we do that, the more and more our values are so drastically opposed. Like, I, I just feel like the whole thing unravels. And it's stupid to me that people can't just sit there and put aside their differences for a minute, just say, hey, this is how I feel about it, and here's why. Okay, cool. Well, here's how I feel about it, and here's why I feel that way. It's it's so rare that people do that now. So I think that is cool that, like you said, people are able to have those conversations. And then also that class that you're talking about sounds awesome. Um, I think that, at least in my experience in public education, you don't really have a class that teaches you 
sort of how to view the world and then how to think about things. Um, I, that came like in college uh, for me. I don't know about you, Brian or Will, but that I, that's really cool that kids are getting exposed to something like that through your, your class in junior high. Gives them a leg up, I feel. Makes me want to go back to middle school. <laughs> <laughs> Just to take hey, you know, you know, come come on down, <laughs> come on down. You're welcome to be a guest and observe some time. If you can have if, me uh, sub school you. guidelines, I'll I'll put you on my list. There you go. That sounds good. <laughs> um. All right. So yeah, let's get back to uh to the school because that's that's mostly what we're what we're talking about. But I don't mind getting off like that. That's good. It like you said, it helps build a context, and so um that is kind of the conversation that's happening outside of school and this is the conversations that the kids are hearing because their parents are talking about it and you're about to have how many like four five hundred kids or so come back to uh, school here in a few weeks yeah i mean that's and that's just one building um i really wish i had a, a number an estimate for how many students are in the school district period i'm i believe that the high school now being 912 is going to have approximately 1500 students in it hmm. and that that does not count staff so wow. all told you're probably looking at something closer to maybe 16 to 1700 people all on the same campus right. all right well i'm a student i'm getting ready to go back to school um where can i find information about what i'm gonna have to do first day what's recommended what's required and um what's tell me like i'm a student like uh, what i need to know to come back to school well brian welcome to the lewiston school district thank you uh first school district in idaho for that that you're darn right independent school district number one yep uh so um if you have internet access obviously lewistonschools.net is the first place and you can to go and you can kind of start digging around for the particular information you need um registration i know that this episode comes out after registration is done so i can safely say the first week of registration is finished um however what you would want to do is call the school district and say that you want to register um, and they will tell you either whether you need to go to the district office which is up in the orchards or they would send you most likely i think to actually the school that you would be attending which which would be based on where you live in town so that's where you're going to get that information and i think to maybe preemptively answer your next question what is it going to look like when school opens um, with the plan that the school district has uh has put together the answer is we actually don't know exactly yet because the school district has uh said that they are not going to announce which of the three phases they're going to open in until about two weeks before school starts so, so by the time this episode comes out we've got a few more days i believe it's i i think i think that it is the school board meeting uh, the 17th of August, which I guess would be less than two weeks. But I, I'm pretty sure there's a special session. So gotcha. like, if you end up going to that board meeting, don't show up with public comment because there isn't public comment. It, it would just be for them to attend to some special business. And I believe that's when they are going to announce which of the three levels we will open in. So what are those three levels uh, for folks that don't know? 
Yeah, sure. So um, the the green level, uh, which uh, to my understanding is the level that um, the school board and administration really would ideally like us to open in, uh, is uh, a level of low level community spread. And I actually have the quick sort of uh, bullet pointed version up on uh, my screen right now, which is uh, on the Lewiston Schools website under the fall 2020 opening plan. Um, the, the, this is the low level, there's green, low level community spread and students, uh, will attend, uh, normal with a normal school schedule and added safety precautions according to CDC guidelines and local health officials when and where possible. So without sitting here and reading the plan to you, it's almost as if COVID wasn't happening is I, I might be oversimplifying it. Um, the one area that there are a lot more precautions uh, are in regards to school buses, but in terms of actually going to school, um, there's no social distancing because all students will be in the building at once. Um, and it's simply not pot like it's a numbers game, like the amount of square footage versus the amount of students we have will not allow for social distancing. Masks are recommended, but not required for anyone. Um, and I think those are probably kind of the two big things that, um, that uh, folks would wonder about. The school district has said that there will be increased sanitation practices, um, but uh, it's, let me, hang on, I actually have it pulled up in front of me one second. Um, hand sanitizer and cleaning supplies available in all classrooms. And uh, apparently each school is going to have a, a specific set of protocol as well. I haven't seen those yet for my school. I haven't seen those yet for Webster for my child. Um, so just to, I'm, which is, I'm just saying, I don't know what those are. Sure. So it would, it would be very, it would be complete face to face, uh, complete face to face instruction. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, and it says limited field trips um, and then clubs and organizations have to submit a plan for approval before any function. And I believe that sports would all be working mostly as normal. There is a, uh, there are some provisions that the Idaho, um, high school sports association, I think that's what it's called. They have a set of protocol as far as like testing and quarantine and, and stuff goes, but I don't have those in front of me. So for all intents and purposes, we should really just call the green green level or green tier business as usual mostly is how I would, you know, it's how I would term it. Right. And you said that's that's basically what we can expect pretty much at this juncture um, when school does start. As of right now. So one of the other things that I, I absolutely should mention is that uh, Dr. Bob Donaldson, who is the Lewiston School Superintendent, uh, has stated that um, he wants the plan to be a living document. So as the year goes, if there are changes we need to make, uh, we certainly can. Sure. And that only so, makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that could change it, too, is if there was a whole bunch of new COVID cases. And I think, I apologize that I don't have these numbers down, but I'm, I'm fairly certain that the magic number is 40, that if we have 40 new cases within... God, a, a set time period. I think it's two weeks, could be less than that, might be a week. Um, then uh, we would drop to the yellow tier, which is moderate community spread. 
And for those who are familiar with Clarkston's plan, the yellow tier or yellow, yellow level is much more uh, is much sim- more similar to the Clarkston plan. So what that would be is that kindergarten through fifth grade would be going half days Monday through Friday. So they, you would have half the students there in the morning. You would have the other half there in the afternoon. And it would basically, the instruction would basically be broken down into um, reading, writing, math, and science, just because of decreased uh, time with, um, decreased intru- instruction time during the day. Mm-hmm. And then for secondary, so 6-12, student population would be divided in half, and one group, w- and they would attend essentially every other day. Right. Um, and then the instruction that they receive while they're at school would prepare them to work on the day that they're at home. Hmm. And then as far as the, the actual precautions going into this, um, they, uh, physical and social distancing would be practiced at that point, which is something that would be much easier to do because we have much more space at that point. Um, face masks are required by staff and other adults on campus. However, they are not required and are only strongly recommended by or recommended for students. And then same cleaning protocols and supplies uh, and uh, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So then moving into the next level, which I'm guessing just going by color code here is going to be red. Yeah, so the red the red is the one I mean we really don't even want to think about. <laughs> like that would be that is complete remote learning for everyone Monday through Friday and you know if you don't have a, a device to do school on the school will make sure they get you one and it, it essentially school would look somewhat to very similar to what we had um March through June of this last year with the shutdown as it was and how, how did that um, all work out and if you know if it didn't work out are they doing anything moving forward to make it better you know I, I i'm sure there are things and i've kind of heard bits and pieces that there are plans in place should we end up back in the red uh level um, I don't know what those are. I haven't seen those yet. I know Lewiston has a, a curriculum department. Um, and I, I know that that's something that they, they were working very tirelessly on, um, even slight from slightly before the shutdown to when it actually happened. And they were providing resources and things like that. I think the main difference. So what we ran into last year was... Um, an inequity in terms of both technology access, be it devices or actual internet access, or even if a student maybe had a device, they were not in an environment that was easy for them to spend time to work on. And by that, I mean, like, maybe they were having to care, like, uh, particularly for high schoolers. Okay. Cause we're at that point, we're dealing with GPAs, we're dealing with required credits, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And because of, of the sudden nature of everything and the inability to plan ahead, uh, for students who were going to be, uh, in a situation that was out of their control, like say both parents are working, uh, and you got like a 17 year old who has to take care of the younger siblings. Survival is a priority over English homework. Right. right. So, so the, the, um, 
the, the policy that the district adopted, and this was fairly common, actually. Um, Lewiston is far from the only district that did this. They had a policy called hold harmless, which meant that um, essentially any sort of failing grade was not going to be counted against you. So the way the grading policy worked, because I, I had one ninth grade class that I was still working with back when it was Jennifer Junior High, the way that worked was um, if a student had a, oh man, now I'm going to really have to rack my brain on this. If a student had an A or a B for third quarter, that carried over regardless of the amount of work they did. Hmm. For the rest then, of the semester? For the rest of the semester. So they and couldn't then that score would, that lower would, than that grade? Yes, the, their grade could not drop from that. If they were at a C or below, um, they had a couple options. And I'm trying to remember exactly what those were. Um, one, essentially, I think there was an I for incomplete, meaning that they just didn't really do any work or do enough work for me to give them that passing grade, like a grade that would actually boost their GPA. So it was a grade that in our, our grade book, I believe had like an asterisk next to it or something like that, which would mean that it didn't, it didn't affect the GPA, but it was a record of this student did not show work, which of course could mean this student was doing necessary work elsewhere, like caring for siblings or, or, or they didn't have sufficient technological access. Like for example, I know we had at least one or two students who uh, lived in Lewiston, but maybe had a parent that lived somewhere a little more remote, like, uh, I don't know, Kamii or Orofino. And maybe, uh, they, the one parent here in town said, you know, I want you to go stay with your mom or dad or your grandma and grandpa out in this smaller town. So you're not potentially exposed or like single parent is at work. I need, I don't want you alone all day. You're going to go stay with grandma and grandpa. Grandma and grandpa may or may not have internet so on and so forth. Right? right. So they didn't want to ding these kids. And, and that's what that, that, that whole hold harmless thing. And that, that particular grade is they just didn't show work. So, you know, if, if you're a college counselor and you see that you would be able to talk to a student and say, Hey, can you tell me about what happened, uh, during COVID, you know, if, if that was something. And then the, the other option, um, was also actually that students could raise their grades. And it was really fun to see some students actually do that. Um, there was something about, I think, the independence that um, the grading system provided and them being at home and working um, rather than having a teacher going, hey, are you going to get to work? Hey, are you going to get to work? And there were a handful of students I had that really rose to the occasion and uh, just started completing stuff that, that when they hadn't really at home. And I had students who passed my class uh, because of the work they did during the shutdown. And it was, it was a pretty, uh, wonderful thing to see that they were able to find their stride. I mean, you know, what a shame that it took such a, <laughs> a catastrophic thing, but man. Hey, do you want to know how you can get the old spiral podcast uninterrupted? Check out our new Patreon account. From now on, you can get the same show you know and love without being interrupted by commercials. We would really appreciate the support, and if you would, head to patreon.com slash Podcast. Now back to the show. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to make the best of a bad situation, I think, I think I had some folks do it, and it was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's great to hear, because, you know, I would expect just the opposite. Um, that when when given the opportunity to have more freedom, they would take it and just not, uh, not not do anything. Um, 
you know, I know I had several classes that were online in college, and it was always difficult to get stuff done. I always, you know, finished and passed, but it, it definitely was a lot harder for me than just in-person learning. So that is cool that kids were actually uh, showing up and uh, taking advantage of that. Like you said, not not being like, uh, I don't want to say micromanaged, but just watched after, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some folks are just like, leave me alone, leave me alone. It's like, all right, I'll leave you alone. <laughs> and then sure enough, you know, it's, that's, that's the key. I mean, that's part of being a teacher is, all right, what, what is the key to motivating, uh, this person and getting them to a position in which they will learn the absolute best that they can. Right. Um, at any rate, sorry, the, the, that long tangent, that whole, <laughs> that whole hold harmless thing as the current plan stands, they, that will not exist anymore. And because we're able to plan going into it, um, the long and the short of it is your grades are going to count this time around, um, as the plan stands. Um, and I'm looking at the plan right now to make sure that I didn't do anything, but yeah, the, the, the buildings are shut down in the red phase, um, very limited building access for students. And hopefully Um, we just never get to the red phase. Yes. Yeah. Which, which actually is, is kind of a good, uh, that's a great segue for me into, to, to put my LEA hat on at this point. Um, the, the, uh, we issued a press release, uh, in, within the last few days, um, because we are concerned at the plan as it stands. And I really want to make sure that I say as it stands, because, um, um, there was a misquote in the printed edition of the Tribune, uh, they quoted our president um, as saying that we had a significant portion of our um, membership that do- don't want to go back in the green phase. And and what we actually said in the, in the survey, which I know because I helped make it, the survey, um, is that we have a significant portion of teachers, which I think was 60%, that, that don't feel safe with the green phase as it is currently written because we understand that the district is open to amending things. Uh, as we move forward. Um, and, um, we, we were not necessarily specific in what we would like the district to implement. And we, we were intentionally not super specific in that because we wanted to give the district leeway to work. I know I had a few people who were like, well, so what do you guys want? Why didn't you say what you want in the press release? And the idea is, well, we, we, we trust the board to make good decisions for, students, teachers in our community, and we didn't want to limit them. And we also didn't want to like, we didn't want to taint the discussion by saying, well, we want to open in this phase mm-hmm. and them going, no, because right. of this, this, and this, because then that's, that's the end of that conversation. Unless we start generating other ideas, we wanted to come at it as, Hey, we are really concerned about this. Let's do something. And, and so our, my, our, our concern is that particularly in the green phase, it's an entirely reactive plan. There's nothing in the green phase that prevents the virus from spreading under its current, under the way that we best understand it spreading, which is of course through the aerosols, through, through breathing. Um, for example, um, my, my room is a computer lab. Um, one of the things that I teach that I integrate with what most of my classes is keyboarding, okay? So I have 30 keyboard or 30 computers in my room. I have one window. 
Uh, it's pretty small and obviously opening windows in the midst of winter is not going to be an option, but I have very low option for airflow. Um, I have extremely high touch surfaces. I don't know the amount of, of cleaning supplies that I'm going to have, um, yet to clean these high touch surfaces. And not only that, the computers, the way the kids sit, they're about two and a half, three feet apart. Mm-hmm. And with no masks and no distancing, all it's going to take is one kid coming in that's asymptomatic or just maybe, oh, I kind of had a cold and my mom sent me to school, which I completely get. Like a kid going to school with the sniffles is not the end of the world, right? Like I, I went to school with the sniffles there, you know, it's, it's, it's logical, but this year it's going to be so much harder, um, to mitigate anything like that. Yeah. Um, and, and the green phase and, and the, the other part of this is because it's reactive, I really am concerned that we're not going to give students the consistency that they want. One of the big things that I've seen and heard that is a concern of Lewiston parents is I really want my kid to have consistency in schooling because man, last year, you know, when, uh, everything hit and school shut down, you know, my kid took a hit, you know, it was really, really hard on them. And, and, and I'm talking, I'm, we're, we're hearing from parents of, you know, star students, you know, we're, we're talking about a, a, a kids. We're talking about kids on sports teams who had a difficult time with this. And, and I am, certainly not saying that those kids are weak because they're not. I mean, I know adults that had a hard time. I had my rough days. Everybody did. And we really want that consistency to be there. So let's say we go, boom, uh, we're opening in in green. We have less than 40 cases within the last two weeks or whatever it is. Let's go green. Boom. Let's say somebody's mom or dad or family uh, was in, I don't know, Arizona within the last couple weeks, right? let the last hurrah the last summer trip before we get back to normalcy uh tons of families do it it's very common um and let's say somebody gets right i mean you, you guys know where this story is going i don't even oh, feel like 100%. i need to finish it but i will yeah they come back to school let's say they're asymptomatic um maybe the, maybe their whole family's super healthy and won the genetic lottery and covid to them is like uh you know, losing taste and smell for 12 hours and a slight cough. That is my God, that is ideal. I wish that was what we could do for everybody. But what about, I I have, um, I have coworkers who have, for example, an autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. I have coworkers who have a spouse who is on an immune, immune system suppressant because of some other underlying health issues. Sure. And um, you might have students that live with elderly people or the list goes on of potential things that that could. Yeah. Just and and it's, it's not it's not a might. I do have students who live with with elderly parents. And not only that, I mean, I mean, right now, like the discussion we're having really is, is starting to become a numbers game. And we're looking at the health at the health of our community and we're looking at citizens in Lewiston and, and not just Lewiston, but Clarkston and the surrounding area because we're a hub for other places. And we're playing a numbers game where we're saying, hey, well, you probably won't get sick. Well, you might, but you'll probably be okay. And what we know is that people who outwardly on paper look like they should survive this and don't. You know, we had last night's board meeting, um, Dr. John Rudolph came and spoke. 
Um, he is a DO uh, for Tri-State. And um, he spoke at the meeting, and it was, it was a, a fantastic talk, and he talked about how close we are actually to agreeing to all of these precautions and things. But he offered, he, I, at least the, what my takeaway was that he offered caution in terms of how we go back to school. He said, you know, I had COVID and I was sick for four weeks and I almost died. And I mean, he's in like his mid thirties. Right. Yeah. Fairly healthy guy. Yeah. I mean, he, he's healthier than I am, at least <laughs> if you look at it, I Same mean, here. I, I, I've had a few more Oreos and run a few less miles than him. <laughs> exactly. Um, and you know, if it, 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 I mean, that's, it just, it boils down to, it could hit anyone. And, and this is, I was, this was the, the quote of mine that was in the paper, um, as well. But, you know, um, I know that kind of the, the death rate as we discuss it fluctuates, and, and the number that stuck in my head is 2%. Okay, let's say, let's just talk about teachers. We have well over 100 teachers in the school district. But let's just say 100 teachers get sick. If the 2% death rate holds, that is two teachers in the school district that will die this year. Right. And I don't, and I, so... Oh man, this is, this is not fun. To, this, this actually kind of hits far too close to home because I have a coworker who, um, I went to a funeral for a couple weeks ago who had passed of cancer. Um, and, uh, within the last few years at Jennifer, um, we had a, a football coach who died suddenly of a heart attack. And, um, I don't know if you've ever seen seventh grade boys break down in tears in the middle of class because they've lost someone they care about, but I have watched kids tearfully, like they can't even get the words out to ask me to go to the counseling office. Mm -hmm. And, and I watched our football team, these, you know, our strong young men, everybody's still got feelings you know, walk out of class because I mean, and that hit school so hard. And, and he was actually also the husband of a, a very dear coworker and friend of mine who was also a Jennifer that just, you know, um, that it just, it hit our school so hard. And, and to be perfectly honest, uh, it's, it feels like there's been a lot of death in various ways over the last few years um, for students and, and people related to staff and, I mean, I just, you know, and, and I'm not trying to run people off. I'm not trying to play the, the sad, sappy card and, and, you know, say, oh, please let us open. We don't want anybody to die. We don't know if they will or not. Right. We just know that we just know that they could. And we know that there is approximately a 2% chance of that happening. And, you know, to the school board and to the administration and to everyone listening to this, Please consider that it is a possibility and, and whether you are healthy or not, it's still a possibility for you. And it's a possibility for me. And that really is something that should factor into how we decide to open, uh, our schools. It's something we absolutely have to. And, and on top of that, <laughs> if, if you wanted me to stop talking, <laughs> there's more bad news. 
uh, the American Pediatrics Association, um, who made waves back in May with that letter that came out that said that kids can be in, in schools, which, by the way, they amended that like a week later. And we're like, wait, wait, here's what we actually meant. Hmm. Um, uh, those same people released a study within the last couple of days that in the last two weeks of June, I believe it was, um, or at least within the last three weeks or so, um, 97,000 kids got COVID. 97,000 kids got it. I mean, think about this. If there was, let's say like a new toy hit the market, right? And there was some piece that would break off and get lodged in kids' throats and 97,000 kids either choked and or died from a toy. Like, A, lawsuits and everybody's going to shut down Hasbro because that's not going to fly. Right. But B... We also don't know the long-term effects. Like, you know, people, I, I feel like one of the things when people are against caution in regards to COVID, they go, well, we don't even know what's going to happen yet. We don't even know this virus. And it's like, yeah, we really don't know. Mask all's wager. So, yes. <laughs> well, you know, and this, this it, does, it does hit home. I don't know if you know, uh, this is, I guess, a, an old Spiral podcast announcement, but I mean, Caitlin's pregnant. She's going back to be a school counselor at Jennifer Middle School. She's pregnant. We've got a two-year-old daughter. And just the thought of it, if it does spread. And, I mean, she's just right there, right in the, on the, uh, in the middle of it. And, uh, yeah, it's not, a, it's not fun to actually sit and think about, you know, the, the worst-case scenarios. Right. Well, and I think, you know, both of you have obviously spent a lot of time thinking about this because you're at risk in a huge way. What do you say to the people that are saying, well, the teachers just don't want to go back to work? That's all this is. Like, what, what, uh, is, what is your response to that? My, my response is, please let me go back to work. I really, really want to go i wanted i want that in-person instruction i want to do it i want to look those kids in the face i want to say good morning and i want to teach them one-on-one -on -one. i absolutely do um i really really don't want to be in the red tier and honestly um the the survey that that the lea did of of our members uh, of the respondents, less than 20% said that they wanted to go back in red, I believe. And it might have even been, been less than that. It's been a few days since I looked at that survey. But really, I don't, I, the teachers that I'm talking to, particularly the teachers in my building, even my teach, even the teachers that I know that have health concerns, every one of us understands these risks. Like I've had this conversation with them. There are none of us who are going in blind. I don't know anyone that has an overly rosy view that's like, oh, whatever, no big deal. Um, I, I feel like we all understand that and we still want to go back to, to work. And that actually was one of the resounding things that came out of last night's board meeting during that massive public comment section is that the teachers who spoke are like, you know, there were a number of parents uh, like on Facebook making posts and things saying, I heard there's a bunch of Lewiston teachers that don't want to go back to work and this and that. And I was like, you didn't talk to me. And I honestly, I don't know who they talked to to get that impression. And, and I'm not trying to take those parents on and I'm not I'm, I'm not like getting angry about that. I'm just merely answering what I have heard is a, a bit of public like such opinion, a weird like, thing to say, too, because it's like. 
what what do you stand to gain? I mean, like another couple months of summer, I guess. But why? Well, like, and, what would, and and that well, and that and that would actually be a delay. And I haven't even heard. In, I mean, you know, I don't. I haven't heard any really talk, any real talk of a delay in Lewiston at yeah. all. I just don't um, understand why educators would at all be saying, "Oh, I don't want to go to work." And why oh, anybody yeah. would think that that should be the case. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it's sort of like saying that, that everyone on welfare has it so great, but they went out and they were all rioters destroying the cities. Right. It's like if, they, if welfare was awesome, why are they tearing down the city that they enjoy living so easily in? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? I don't, exactly. I don't get that. You know, I, I, so let me, let me give you my scenario. Here's, here's what quarantine for the end of the school year looked like for me. So my wife and I are both teachers. My wife is a first grade teacher and, um, I have uh, a daughter who is in preschool and I have a daughter who is in second grade. Um, we, we would get up, get everybody ready for the day. Um, my wife, God bless her for doing this, handled the more academic portion of school with the kids. Um, let me tell you this, my skills as a junior high teacher really do not immediately translate to working with small children in an <laughs> academic capacity, um, which is to tell you, I was not very good at it. And I was so grateful that my wife ended up really spearheading that. Um, the one thing I would do is I would help my second grader with her writing, um, which I do enjoy doing and, and was a lot of fun. And I enjoyed getting to sit down and do with that. But getting a four-year-old to you know work on their letters and stuff is... <laughs> That is an exercise that I was not prepared for. Um, so if you're listening to me going, man, I bet you had it easy because you're a teacher. No. And and even then, even with the skills that my wife has, it was very challenging. Still, I mean, there there is a contract between like an unspoken social contract between teachers and students that sets the stage for them to come in and be more willing to learn than be willing to learn from parents. Um, oh yeah, I could see that. You know, and and I'm sure that there are people who homeschool that are you know might listen to me and go, dude, you need to do what I do. And I would say, my friend, yes, I do. I don't. I, I would need training on that. I don't know, but it would be something that would have to be established, right? Like we have all these kids who are used to public school, and here's the person that like you know makes sure that I have a roof over my head and has food and says whether I can go hang out with my friends. And now they're going to teach me. Um, it's just not there. Right. And and that's not a reflection of the parents at all. That's a reflection just of how we naturally do things. So yeah, I, I feel like I had a lot of the same struggles that other parents did when it came to the, the the school portion. Um, my main designation was that I was the PE teacher, (laughs) (laughs) which, which often, uh, turned into, uh, we went for walks around the neighborhood. Uh, I'm very excited to say that my eldest uh, learned how to ride her bike without training wheels uh, and that my youngest uh, does not know how to stop uh, at the edge of the street yet, but she got a lot better at it while riding her trike. So that was good. And then, you know, we do, you know, if it was when it was colder or rainy, we would do like kids aerobic type videos. Uh, Oh, fun. Yeah. Like there's a, there's an app or a service called Go Noodle which is great. They have tons of, you know, get up and dance type videos and stuff that trick kids into exercising. So we would do that. So on top of that, I also had to manage my classes 
Um, and what I did to make sure that I was available face to face with kids is that I would schedule, um, I had one Google meet, which is basically Google's version of zoom. I had one Google meet, uh, per class Monday through Friday. Um, and then I also had to create assignments and grade and give feedback and answer emails and all of this. Uh, on top of everything else. Oh, yeah. So, I was a teaching assistant at WSU, and <clears throat> I had just hand-graded, like, 40 essays. Oh. And, and they're like, by the way, we're not coming back to school. And it's like, what do I do with all these <laughs> essays that I just hand-graded that I can't now give back? So that got done twice because I wasn't about to scan everything and then email everybody. Um, so that was exciting. So yes, it was, was definitely interesting. Well, it yeah, also, I mean, it, I mean it, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't easy, right? To your point, no, it wasn't uh, easy for anybody. Yeah. And, why? Yeah. I think this all stemmed from the people that are saying, why would you, they just don't want to work, but it's like, it's still, it's still work. It's almost more work. It's, yeah. It's probably more work if anything. And I, oh, I, I don't know. Un- it's just, undoubtedly. Yeah. Because there's, there's the whole psychological aspect of, like you're at home, but you, you have to mentally switch gears all the time. So like, I, I kid you not, I'm sitting there trying to help a kid with an assignment over zoom. And my four-year-old walks in and she's like, dad, I want a snack. And and we all know how patient four-year-olds are. And then my wife is also trying to like record her Facebook live video of her, you know, doing a science experiment for her kids or whatever. And we like, and we generally tried to divvy things up so that those moments wouldn't happen but i mean it was unavoidable at some points right like you know this is my job i have to get my job done but also this is my child and they have needs too and it was so difficult to separate those things out because often we couldn't and then on top of that you can't really we couldn't really go anywhere uh, you know, it, we, even just to have like my mom come visit us from Spokane, it's this huge, it's like, well, how much risk is it going to be? Mm-hmm. You know, and we understand the virus better now, now had I known, but like, well, sure, come on down, mom, you've just been hanging out in your apartment. And so we, you're fine. But you know, there were so many unknowns, but even with the things that we know now, you know, I just, yeah, please know, I, I am begging like, let me go back to my classroom. Yeah. Um, I really want that. That's, I, I, that is an absolute commonality between the majority of parents and the majority of teachers that we want to be back. Like I, I became a teacher because I care about my students. I mean, I like the stuff that I teach, but when it comes down to it, you know, if if you ask me if I want to sit down and just kind of get to know a kid or, or teach a lesson, I usually would, and I'm not saying I don't want to do both because I do, I take all my responsibilities seriously, but I want my, I want my students to know that I know who they are because when, when you're, when you're young and you're developing and you don't know who you are yet, and it feels like the world's pummeling you from all sides, the most important thing that someone can do is to validate your existence by getting to know you. Totally. Those are the teachers that you remember. I mean, I still know all of them well. Mr. Lanigan, the Funks, Miss Isley, Norwood. I could go on. You yeah. know, the 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 teachers that that take the time to do that, and that's that's honestly something that really does matter to kids. Oh gosh, man! It's, and when you were talking huge. earlier about the computer classroom that you're running, 
all I could think about was teachers having to buy their own teaching supplies, colored pencils, paper, whatever, pens. And now it's going to be teachers having to buy their own cleaning supplies. Right. I you know, hope it, it doesn't it come very, to that. It, I hope it doesn't it, come to that. Yeah, I mean, it, it could, and and I don't, I, I don't know what you know. I, I think there's some state money that's coming for cleaning supplies, but here's the the other side of that: Are, are we going to be able to get Clorox wipes? <laughs> are, how much hand sign, hand sanitizer are we going to get? You know, these are right, other. It's all the these are other questions we got. The country are going to be wanting these things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's in, and and I hate that it. it I'm gonna it's, have to get a still and start, you know, making <laughs> rubbing alcohol. You you would not be the only person to have done that. I have heard that that has been happening. Uh, um, like and yeah, I mean, but too. how? Oh no, this is how, on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> you know how how tragic is it that we have to talk about how important our like each and every young person is, and then it's like, will we have enough supplies? To properly clean i mean it's and that's something that's out of anyone's hands like that's just supply and demand we can only make so much of what is required right now yeah um wow and 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 here's my my overarching hope is that the discussions on whether or not to reopen schools can go deeper than just um well, we got to get these kids back we got to get these kids back like educators know that school boards know that. So to parents who would hear if, if a parent, you know, if I'm going to speak to parents in general who might be frustrated hearing that teachers have concerns, one, please know we want your students back in school. And two, if we raise concerns, please know that it is for the benefit of everyone. It's not, you know, we, I, I see this as, as we are parts in a chain here because we very, very, you know, it's, it's funny that like to do contact tracing is sort of to take a look around a community. Okay. Like say I got exposed and my wife and, and I, and I started exhibiting symptoms, but my wife hadn't, my wife teaches in Clarkston. My wife's then going to have to be out of school for two weeks. So are both of my children. That means that there are now two substitute teachers that are going to have to fill our roles for two weeks while we quarantine and get over it. That's, that is provided that we, A, survive, which, yes, we do likely have a 98% chance of survival, which, you know, is good. But that also is, provi- you know, is us returning to work pro- is provided that we recover in time. And we know that there are people who might be out for a month on this, you know, or more. I, I have a friend whose cousin had it. And he said, you know, I check in with her about once a week. And for the first couple of weeks, while she still really had symptoms, she goes, well, I couldn't get off the couch today. And then when she was finally able to get off the couch and she would respond to his text and he would say, hey, how's it going? And she would say, well, I was able to walk around the block today. That's wrong. You know, that's that that's that's what we're looking at you know do we know for sure absolutely not but do we have to factor in that these are possibilities yes and and if in to those folks who are frustrated i say do you want a we one we have a, sh- a sub shortage and b do you want that inconsistency for your students um of teachers going in and out and then if we get too many cases in a school we have to shut the school down 
right? right. How long is the school going to be shut down? And, you know, uh, what if, what if it's an elementary school that gets shut down and a family has two kids in an elementary school, but the older kids are at the high school and the high school doesn't get shut down. What if the family needs to rely on the high schooler to watch the younger kids? Does that mean that the high schooler then has to stay home because mom and dad got to work? Mm-hmm. That high schooler could then be missing school. You know, there are so many, this is, I'm, this is the domino effect to the extreme right. that we have so many situations to consider uh, in looking at how we go back. Yeah, it'll be interesting, I mean, just to see what happens and and you know to have this conversation in another two months just just to see you know what actually does happen because we've we've outlined a whole bunch of different scenarios and it's hard to it's hard to imagine nothing happening i mean that's i feel like that's impossible that nothing's gonna happen Mm -hmm. but it's hard to live in a mindset where you're considering what's going to, I mean, you know what I mean? We could, we have this conversation, but if you spend all day thinking about this, that's going to really kind of mess you up a little bit. Sure. So you almost have to adopt this cognitive dissonance where it's like, yes, it's a problem, but we're moving forward regardless. And kind of, uh, I, I don't know, the way I'm coping is just kind of adopting a uh, let's wait and see type attitude because it doesn't feel like we actually have any other option than a right. wait and see. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. And, and I mean, actually, I, I, oh, go ahead. I, I, I hope that, and I, I hope that nothing I've said could be construed as, as a shot at our leadership. Like, no, no, I, 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 so. I, I, I know, Tough I know decisions all around. Yeah. There's I mean, no I know right our, well, yeah, I, mean, I, I know so our school risks. board. I've, I've, yeah. I, and I've been in negotiations with them. I'm on the contract negotiations team and, I, I mean, I, every one of our administrators I have looked in the eye and spoken to, um, except for our late, our newest board member on multiple occasions, uh, or almost all of them. And I don't, you know, I know that each one of them has a tremendous amount of responsibility here and a tremendous amount of information to weigh through, uh, to wade through. And, uh, you know, there's, there's the pressure from all of the constituency, um, and from the extremely varying, uh, uh, perspectives on all of this and they have to do what's right. And what's right here is not super clear because none of these, none of these tiers really offer an easy answer. You know, for me, if, you know, say, say I was to advocate for going back to school in yellow and I'm doing this hypothetically, I now have to find childcare for my oldest child five days a week, half of the day. Yeah. You know, and, and that is, that is an expense that is, um, you know, extra time and transportation. There's so much that goes into that. That is well, not something to be taken lightly. Daycare gets COVID and then what do you do? Well, and you have to also then yeah. assume that, okay, it's going back in yellow. So maybe there's more cases. Maybe people don't want to have their businesses open. So maybe there is no daycare that yeah. you can take your kid to. I mean, it almost seems like there's there's it's just a downside like if it's some utopia obviously we all just don't go to work shut off stay at our home for a while maybe maybe that works maybe it all goes together but there are so many downsides not everyone can take off work we've already i feel like we've just talked and talked to talk about all the different options mm-hmm. that could happen and what ifs but it's like on one hand you've got everyone getting sick possibly 
And on the other hand, you've got the impossibility of childcare and teaching from home. So it's, right. it's really rough. So in all that, then I feel like it also circles back to like what we were talking about earlier about staying open and just trying to hear everybody's sides and moving forward like together as a collective and hopefully more people can get together on this and and quit politicizing it. it totally. Uh, because uh, science isn't politics, right? I mean, it's just facts and they change and we learn more yeah. and, uh, you know, we got to roll with the punches in terms of that, but hopefully people can get connected to each other again. Um, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'd like to see that. And I just have one last question for you. I don't know if Drew's got anything else for you, but let's say, I don't know, I don't think we covered this, um, but let's say I am a student at middle school, maybe even high school, I don't know if they're different, um, and I have, uh, I'm immunocompromised. Do I have an option for not going back to, like, what is my option? Is it just homeschooling? or yeah, Like, question. I think, because Clarkston's doing some sort of online program I don't know a whole lot about it, I, but I've, I've seen it on their website. Like, what what's the option in Lewiston if, if I'm immunocompromised and I don't want to go back to campus? Or I guess even if um, you're, you're a parent and you don't want your kid to go back. Sure. Yeah, you know, I, I do believe that there is an op that Lewiston is creating a, a very similar option. Um I don't. I have not seen what that looks like yet. But if if that's something a parent is interested in, um, I would encourage them to just call the school district and say, "Hey, I'm interested in this. Please tell me everything you can." Um, you know, because we we really want students in, in at school. You know, um, and, and and in we want them to stay. You know, this isn't going to last forever. No. Um, it, that, that's not how, you know, we, we know from history that this sort of thing does not, it, it will eventually get to a point where we have dealt with it and we can go back to living normally. And, you know, we want families and students to be able to tr transition as seamlessly back as possible back to the classroom. Um, when when we can you know so we we any plans we make we want folks to know that you know we want to get folks back yeah uh face to face asap yeah cool huh well i would just like to take this opportunity i suppose to offer my tutoring services um I, i'm happy to be a private tutor i could do online or whatever uh if any parents are listening uh, i've got uh degrees i'm educated and i was a tutor for years in my undergraduate career so uh if anybody out there is having trouble with their kids you know schoolwork, uh, in person online or whatever uh just go ahead and get a hold of me on facebook and i'd be happy to offer my tutoring services for a you know reasonable fee cool awesome well right on yeah you know on that note uh I think that's basically all the questions that I had. And it sounds like it's all the questions that Brian had. Um, just in closing, is there anything else you wanted to mention, uh, Will? Um, I, you know, I think just to reiterate, you know, what we are asking for really is a, is a safe reopening that includes preventative measures that will allow, allow the school year to be as consistent as possible um, for everyone involved um, and will expose staff and students and of course then also families to as little uh health risk as possible because as confident as we can be you know we just we don't know how this can affect 
us. And we really want um, us meaning the community, meaning everybody, you know, I want everyone on the other side of this and um, you know, to, to, for everyone involved to really consider how this both on an individual level and on a larger level plays out. You know, we talked about how the more people wear masks, the less people get COVID. Um, and, and by that same token, you know, the Lewiston school district affects Clarkston. You know, we were talking about how Clarkston is, is, has much tighter restrictions. Right. Um, and Clarkston as of now going back in this hybrid model, they're one of Clarkston is insanely fortunate. They are one of, I believe five districts in the entire state that have a low enough community spread to be able to have in-person instruction. And if Lewiston was to just go back without proper precautions, you know, I mean, my household alone is an opportunity for it to easily travel across the border. And there are so many more because Lewiston and Clarkson are basically one town in so many respects. Sure. And Lewiston's actions could affect how things go for Clarkston schools and for Clarkston businesses. Um, because the restrictions are tighter there and, you know, like them or not, it's how they are. And, you know, I don't want to see businesses get any harder hit any harder than they have been. And I still want to be able to go out. I mean, you know, it was so cool. Like the movie theater was showing, uh, all the throwback movies. I got to go see Friday the 13th on the, on the big screen. I never thought I would ever get to do that. <laughs> you know, I wore, I wore, a, I wore a mask the whole time and my breath smelled bad, but I still got to do it. Oh, Did you that's know? one thing the masks has been teaching me. It's like, Brush if I ever <laughs> leave the house after I've drank a cup of coffee, I just regret it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> or you need, you need to switch coffee brands to something richer and just, you know, better tasting. <laughs> oh, so it just, uh, coffee flavor. <laughs> so it's a good coffee smell. A good, a good coffee smell. So yeah, I just, I, I hope, I hope we'll all consider those things at, uh, leadership on a personal level, you know, we, yeah. I'm sure everyone is super sick of hearing we're all into this together because every single corporation adopted that in the commercials, right? Like we're that's all, all this together. We're on this Buy together. My <laughs> Buy my shoes, like, and subscribe. But you know, unfortunately, <laughs> or fortunately, podcast, gmail.com. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we actually are. I mean, we are, like I said, we're breathing the same air. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well. Let's give everybody the best shot they can. Thanks so much for talking to us about this um, tough subject. Yeah. It definitely is. Yeah. It, I, I think we got a lot of good stuff out there and things uh, for folks to consider. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate you coming on and, and giving your perspective. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I always enjoy uh chatting with you guys and and brian congrats to you and caitlin i'm uh i'm super excited elliot's a elliot's a cute kid so she is she's gonna have a little sister uh she's uh, gonna be at the <clears throat> last week of january right on yeah cool i like it and the show on a positive note 100 <laughs> percent. cool thanks will and we hope to have you on again sometime soon i'll do it have a good one guys awesome thanks will This episode of the show is brought to you by our Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much to all of you for supporting the show. If you would like to become a Patreon subscriber, head over to patreon.com slash oldspiralpodcast. That's going to do it for this week, but the shows are not over. 
Get caught up on the backlog of episodes if you haven't already, and thanks for listening. Thank you.